If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. I hope everyone is enjoying their day so far. It is a beautiful day in New York City. You know, folks, I love this summer. I just love this summer. I love the heat. I love walking outside when it's warm outside. I mean, you know, a lot of people think, you know, they like it when it's cool or it's breezy. The hotter, the better. Uh, and as always, uh, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. Uh, there's so much that happened this week in America. You know, it was the 4th of July uh, this week. We celebrated Independence Day, but not everyone celebrated Independence Day. President Biden and the ungrateful Hollywood liberals bashing America on the 4th of July, lashing out over the Supreme Court ruling on abortion and the Hollywood celebs following Biden's lead. Can take precedent over the American project. Project that has come up short in many ways, but which continues even in this hour. A project that says we're all in this together and the ambitions of a few cannot be allowed to prevail over the aspirations of the many. Barbara Streisand, get this one. She actually claimed our Democratic Republic remains in danger because of former President Trump. Really? Do you have nightmares about him? The guy's not the president anymore, Barbara. Your republic remains in danger because of the former president. These people are so focused on Donald Trump. It really is. It's stunning. I don't know what other word to use. And Jessica Chastain, this actress, she used the 4th of July to flash the middle finger at America. Katy Perry uh, tweeted to her millions of followers, quote, Baby, you're a firework is a 10, but women in the U.S. have fewer rights than an actual sparkler. It is a sad commentary. This is the greatest country on earth. That's what I think. And you know what? I'm entitled to think it. I have a flag of the United States flying in front of my house. I've had it there since I moved in. I love this country. My father fought in World War II. Uh, He was on the first ship to Nakisaki. He saw the plume, and he died at a very young age because of it. My grandfather fought. He was in Normandy. And, you know, we believe in this country. I believe in America. I believe in everything great about this country. And yet you get these prima donnas who have everything, who trash this country. And yet people are killing themselves to get here. What is wrong with them? What is wrong with Joe Biden? What is wrong with these Hollywood elites that just don't like it? You know what? If you don't like it, why are you here? And, you know, I have, I have, a, uh, I, I have a memory of a, uh, I believe it was a soldier who was 100 years old who was in tears uh, on TV this week because of, it was on Fox, because of, you know, the, how people are trashing America and how people fought, gave their lives, gave their limbs, their, you know, their blood, their treasure. And yet they trash this great country. 
And this week uh, in the United States, we saw another mass shooting. We're going to talk about that on the show. We've got a great guest coming up to talk about what's with these mass shooters. What are we going to do about them? Who are they? You know, what makes them do this? What are they looking for? Should we have caught them? Were the signs there? Should we have known ahead of time? Did their parents know? Did their, are their parents responsible? You know, uh, there's a lot going on with respect to these mass shooters, a lot of them young. And I'm not going to mention the dirtbag's name because he isn't worth mentioning. You know, he took the lives of, of, of innocent people for no reason, for no reason other than this fame that they think they want, which is why I'll never mention his name. And this week in New York City, a bodega owner uh, is being pushed around, thrown back and forth, pulled out of a chair, and finally defending himself from a dirtbag, gangbanger, career criminal, stints in, in state prison. Uh, he finally, And this man, the owner of the bodega, has never committed a crime, works every day from 12 noon to 3 in the morning. He took out a knife and he, he killed the, uh, the ex-con who was about to kill him. And uh, they throw him in jail. Get that. They throw the guy in jail. And, you know, everybody else walks. But you get a, you get a guy who is a hard worker, who owns a store, who's defending himself in a store. They throw him in jail. Well, you know what? The people stood up. He's out of jail right now. You know, it's about time that we stood up and are heard. But we'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, and later in the show, I'm going to be speaking with Gordon Chang about what's going on with China. We took millions of barrels of oil and put it on the European market, and China bought it. What's up with that? And Biden's border crisis getting so out of hand that Texas is about to call it an invasion. Once Texas and the various counties in Texas call it an invasion, they believe that under the Constitution, they can then take these illegal immigrants and literally take them out of Texas and send them back to Mexico. So what we've got is a is a uh, uh, our governors of states like Texas and Arizona that can't handle it anymore. We've got communities that are literally being upended because of not just the surge, but because of an invasion. It is an invasion, folks, at the southern border. And they're saying, we can't handle this anymore. We can't. Our economy can't handle it. The people in the area can't handle it. And so they are now deciding whether or not they're going to call it an invasion, which under the Constitution allows them to literally take these illegals and send them back, put their hands on them, and send them back to Mexico. That is going to be a very interesting story in the United States. But it shows that the federal government and Joe Biden are out to lunch. They're selling oil to China, and they're letting the southern border be invaded. Do you remember when AOC, remember she said, you can't use the word surge because it's racist? You know what? We're all tired of being called racist. We're dealing with it the way it should be dealt with. And that is, if you want to come to this country, we're happy to have you. Do it legally. So we'll get to all those topics in this show. It's all coming up in just a few moments here on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show.
Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is Wendy Patrick, a career prosecutor, someone who is very familiar with uh, what we've been dealing with for the last few months, actually the last several years in this country, and that is the issue of school shootings or mass shootings by young people in America. Wendy, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, I'm going to get right to it. We've got yet another mass shooter uh, who was known to law enforcement uh, for the 4th of July shooting in Highland Park. Uh, and, you know, right before then we had Uvalde and it goes on and on. It seems that these mass shooters very often are between the ages of 18, 22 white males. And we're starting to draw some conclusions uh, are there any conclusions to be drawn in terms of commonalities? You know, Judge Janine, there are lots of commonalities when you especially look at young people that end up uh, committing this kind of mass carnage. You know, one of the ways I describe school shooters is they often wave their own red flags. The key for law enforcement, friends, family, classmates, teachers is we have to look and listen. Now, we may think, gosh, that sounds so simple in retrospect, but when you look back at a timeline to see who might have missed what when, we often find that these people were brought to the attention of authorities, either by classmates, teachers, or even their own family members, but then we question the, the completeness and the thoroughness of the follow-up. Well, you wrote a book called Red Flag, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. That's my latest book. Okay, so what about these red flag laws? Apparently, this kid, I, I don't even want to mention his name, okay? This kid, the shooter in Highland Park, apparently he tried to commit suicide in 2019. Then a few months later, he said that he was going to kill every member of his family. It turns out he had 17 knives, one dagger, one sword. Uh, and uh, the police ended up taking the knives out but returned them. Them because the father said they were his, even though the father had been threatened. So that information was sent to the state police. The kid was a loner, uh, and we often, it seems to me that, that, that at that point, if they even looked at his social media, they would have found stick figures, you know, in shootings and, you know, stick figures with blood. You know, what, how much of a red flag do we need for law enforcement to act? Yeah, you know, that's the question is how much do you need to actually be able to have the laws in different states uh, have the teeth to do what's necessary to ensure somebody doesn't have access to guns, for example. And these red flag laws, many of them are designed to allow and empower the people that know these, these young men and women, whoever it is that ends up committing the shooting, the best. You know, it's one thing to say somebody's a loner at school. Well, you know, we all knew loners at school that didn't go on to be school shooters. But who are the people closest to these suspects that have been able to observe them over time, know sort of a baseline of behavior, know when they are hunting versus howling, as we say in threat assessment? In other words, not everybody that threatens to commit a shooting will actually do it. We have to be able to have access to the people that are in a position to know the difference. Okay, that is, you know what, Wendy Patrick, hunting versus howling. So they can say, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to shoot up the school, 
uh, but there might not be the other criteria that you look for. In this case, with this particular kid, he comes from a dysfunctional family. Parents rarely picked him up. They had to call the uh, the school had to call his parents to say, "Your kids are done with sports. Somebody come and get them." And they they were always the last kids to be picked up. Uh, and then you've got the kid who tried to commit suicide, the same kid who had all the knives, who got the social media. Um, and then, you know, was there enough there? Why didn't the parents do something? Are the parents responsible, Wendy Patrick, for something here? Yeah, we always look at the parents first. We look at the parents because they're the ones that know their children the best. But remember, that's also that rose-colored lens. Knowing your children the best also means giving them the benefit of the doubt. And that could be honestly underestimating the potential for violence. You know, and that's why these red flag laws are one of many tools that we have in our tool chest in examining whether or not somebody actually presents a threat. Now, nobody wants to be wrong. You know that through your career as a prosecutor and a judge, as you want to do everything you can to err on the side of caution. Mm. But what does that look like when you're looking through the lens of a loving parent versus a concerned teacher at school or perhaps a, 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 a classmate that really is more of an acquaintance and has that more objective lens that they can look at behavior. Now, I say all of that with this understanding that this is the proverbial, perhaps, the axe murderer next door, right? The neighbor that says, oh, he's such a nice guy, and then you (laughs) press for more information, and you find that this neighbor didn't really know him at all. So that's why we have to be very careful as to who we're asking for information and, and the quantity and quality of the information we can receive. Well, you know, Wendy, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you're a veteran prosecutor. I did this, too. Uh, You know, and you always find a neighbor who say about that, you know, the murderer. He was such a nice guy. You know, he's a quiet guy. Well, you know, he doesn't necessarily show himself to people as a uh, as a mass murderer. And uh, but then sometimes they do. And, you know, when you look at this, uh, you know, guns and these situations with guns now, You know, I believe in the Second Amendment, but people are saying, you know what, these kids shouldn't be able to get their hands on a gun. In this case, this kid would not have gotten his hand on a gun, but for his father signing that, uh, uh, they call it a FOID, F-O-I-D card, giving him the ability to buy a gun under the age of 21 in the state of Illinois. So the father has some culpability here just on that alone, it seems. Well, the the child wouldn't have been able to get a gun legally. But remember, you know, as you and I have talked about over the years in the course of our professions, not everybody that wants to commit a shooting purchases a gun legally. And so, you know, it's it's unusual for the law to go after parents that have in some fashion facilitated the children getting access to guns. We've actually seen a couple of those prosecutions lately, and no doubt their investigators are looking at all avenues. Mm-hmm. But many people that are able to get these guns unfortunately and sadly it is just too easy without maybe even much easier without going through the legal process you know that is such a great point and you know think about it illinois has some of the toughest gun laws in the country and highland park is right outside 
of Chicago. And, you know, he could have gotten them illegally. But the truth is, and we have to deal with the facts, as we, you know, Wendy Patrick, uh, as we find them, and he had a legal gun, but but for his father signing that card, he would not have gotten them. So that in itself, as a prosecutor, as a DA, I would have told my prosecutors, you're going to file against the father. Then the second situation is this. The kid had 17 knives, a dagger, and a sword. He said he was going to kill us, everybody in the family. He then, the police then come in response to a domestic violence call, and the police had visited that family frequently, Wendy. And yet the father, they take the guns out, and then all of a sudden, the next day, the father says, oh, they were really my knives. Now, that father created a scenario where he covered up for his son. Again, I would have gone after the father. I mean, I I was very aggressive. But in that situation, the father could have maybe gotten some something where this kid who tried to commit a, a, a suicide, who wanted to kill his whole family, who wanted to get a, uh, a long gun. I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, sometimes when you look at the actions that parents take in protecting their children, you know, in some fact patterns, they even end up being accessories after the fact. Yep. In other words, sometimes they know that their children are dangerous or have committed dangerous actions and they hide evidence. I have no I have no indication that's true here yet. But remember, you also brought up a very good point. It's not just guns that kill people. It's Mm -hmm. knives and vans driven into crowds and so many other instrumentalities that people, young people in particular, can easily get their hands on without needing anybody to co-sign for anything. How true that is. Wendy Patrick, what, what do you think we've learned? I mean, you know, when we look at Aurora... Uh, when we look at Parkland, we look at Sandy Hook, and we look at Uvalde and Columbine, why is it the male, the young male, the, you know, the loner? What's that about? Yeah, you know, sometimes we learn that in, in many of the cases you mentioned, they have glamorized this type of interpersonal mm. violence. And they've also really drawn encouragement, sadly, from some of these mass shooters in the past who have been glamorized. So your decision not to publish the name of this shooter is right on the money. That would be the direction we would need to go to take the glamour out of this carnage and dissuade young people that maybe are loners, maybe need friends or mental health treatment usually, from picking up a gun and and deciding this is the way to seek notoriety. Yeah, and then, you know, their idea of seeking notoriety and the idea that they would be someone who would be, you know, idolized or remembered. So this kid is going to be convicted. I don't think there's any question, Wendy, and you and I both know he can proffer the insanity defense, but that's not going to work. He dressed up as a woman, okay? He tried to get away with it. He hid it. He knew to run away. He's not, it seems to me you know he didn't he's not psychotic he was connected what do you think insanity or not that's that's exactly right he can raise it but the facts don't support it i mean the strategy the you know the the, all of the different preparations he took the disguise to get in the position he wanted all of that strategy not only shows the kind of preparation that would be necessary to pull this off but that he knew right from wrong which of course as you and i and our listeners know is the legal definition of insanity Right, right. And uh, but at the same time, what should have happened to this kid? I mean, when if he had gone in, if they had done what we call in New York a 730 or some kind of a Baker's Law on this kid, what do you think would have happened, uh, Wendy Patrick? He would have gone in. They would have done some kind of mental health thing. 
they wouldn't have kept him in a facility, would they? No, it's interesting you say that. You know, obviously, it's it's we can't predict with complete certainty, but we do know, looking at many other similar cases, that sometimes people that are predisposed to commit an act like this go in or evaluate it and walk right out the door because they don't at that time present any of the type of symptomology that would allow a hospital to keep them. Now, it's impossible in retrospect to guess what might have happened if there had been some sort of a commitment. We can just look at other cases and know that it's unusual for somebody that doesn't present any type of psychosis uh, for them to have any basis to keep them. Wendy Patrick, veteran prosecutor, I must tell you, it has been a delight talking to you. Although the subject matter is far from a delight, I love talking to people who know of what they speak. You don't just talk the talk, you've walked the walk. Wendy Patrick, author of the book Red Flags, it was great to have you on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Have a great day, Wendy. You as well. Thank you for having me. All right, our pleasure. And on 9-11, we vowed to never forget Help America. Keep that promise. Donate $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now, an author and China expert. And I'll tell you, folks, this is a guy that we really need to hear from because there's so much going on with China right now. And we almost need an expert. And fortunately, we have one to kind of wade us through these waters. He wrote the book, The Great U.S.-China Tech War, which is available everywhere books are sold. Please join me in welcoming Gordon Chang to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Let me tell you just a little about uh, Gordon um, he, his previous books are Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World, and The Coming Collapse of China, both from Random House. Chang lived and worked in China and Hong Kong for almost two decades, most recently in Shanghai as counsel to the American law firm Paul Weiss, and earlier in Hong Kong as partner in the international law firm of Baker McKenzie. Uh, his writings on China and North Korea have appeared everywhere, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, uh, National Review, Barron's Daily Beast. He's a columnist at Newsweek. He writes regularly for The Hill. Uh, you name it, he's spoken there, uh, and he's given briefings at the National Intelligence Council, CIA, State Department, Pentagon. You get my drift. This is a man who not only knows of what he speaks, but uh, he has walked the walk. So, Gordon, it's great to have you uh, on the show uh, but, Gordon, i got to tell you, never has China, in my layperson's mind, appeared to be more poised to be in a position of international power than it appears to be now. Am I, am I right or wrong there? I think you're certainly right, Judge. There's a couple of issues here. First of all, China is very assertive and aggressive right now. Uh, Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, has grand ambitions to rule not just all of planet Earth, but also the near parts of the solar system. But the other part of the equation, Judge, is that we have an administration in Washington that is not willing to use American power to protect American interests in the way that it should. You put those two things together, and it means that China is more of a threat to peace than it's been in our lifetimes. Well, the the interesting part of all this is when, you know, you 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 talked about uh, on this planet. But now we're hearing about China is focused on interterrestrial stuff. What what are they what are they talking about now? Uh, They're talking about the moon and Mars as sovereign 
Chinese territory. Chinese officials since about 2018 have been discussing the solar system in those terms, which means that if they get to the moon um, before we do, and if they are able to establish themselves there, they will try to exclude us from going there. And this is not just some sort of speculation. This is what Chinese officials themselves say. So right now, you know, we have uh, Bill Nelson, the NASA administrator, who, you know, a year ago was talking about cooperation with China in space, now is sounding the warning that China will try to exclude others from space. That is amazing. And how, 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 do they, how do they monitor that? I mean, if they think that they can own the moon or own Mars, I mean, do they police it? Do they, do they fight with other powers and say you can't come here? I mean, how do they establish some kind of barrier to other nations trying to establish some kind of connection to these other planets? There are a number of ways they can do that, Judge. First of all, they can put military assets on the moon and Mars. They can also um, control the points in space, um, the Granian points, um, which um, are incredibly strategic. And, of course, they can destroy our assets in low Earth orbit. So they do all of those things. It would prevent us from being able to go to the moon. And even if we were able to get there, We'd have to fight to be able to stay there. That is amazing. Uh, I'll tell you, they have some sense of themselves. Let's go back to uh, planet Earth right now. Uh, and, and maybe you can explain to me what is going on with the Biden administration. And, and I don't even want to be political right here in, in response to this question. But I need to understand with respect to the Biden administration going into the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, taking out barrels of oil and then releasing them, those barrels of oil, my understanding is they're going to China or China is buying them. Uh, Explain how that works to the layperson. Well, there's a global market for oil. So when the Biden administration releases oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, it goes onto the market. And market participants can do what they want with it. And, of course, as we have learned, some of it has been shipped to Europe, um, which isn't a good thing for us. But at least Europe is our friends. Um, But uh, some of this oil has actually been shipped to China, which is an adversary. And to make all of this worse, Judge, you have, uh, for instance, um, at this point, uh, Biden talking about how we're at war. That was um, wartime. He mentioned that in a tweet about a week ago. Well, if we're in a wartime, then we shouldn't be taking oil out of the reserve in order to reduce oil prices, which is what he is doing. We should be saving it because we very well may need it. So there's so many things wrong with the Biden administration's move about taking oil out of the reserve. But he says he's taking oil out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve so that he can bring down the cost of oil. And yet what he's doing is he's allowing it to be sold on the on the international market. Why do we even allow the sale on the international market? Isn't that oil our oil? Do we not have the refining capacity? We have refining capacity, um, and we don't need others to refine our oil for us, although um, our refineries are working at something like 95% capacity, um, which means that we should have invested more in refining in the run-up to this period. 
Um, but clearly, um, the Biden administration didn't anticipate sales of oil offshore, and they should have taken measures to ensure that that did not happen. But this is an administration that does not understand how markets work. And we've seen this not only with taking the oil out of the reserve, but also with their proposals on uh, reducing tariffs, because they think that that will end up at reducing prices to American consumers. Almost certainly it will not for various reasons. So this is an administration that doesn't understand Econ 101. All right. So let's assume this is an administration that doesn't under, understand Econ 101. All right. You got Joe Biden, who has been in Washington for 47 years before uh, he became president. He was vice president for eight years. And, uh, you know, we we if we're selling our oil that we've saved, that, let me let me compare it to a bank account. OK, so you have a you have a bank account and you're saving that money for when you have an emergency. So you take the money out and then you sell it on an international market um, at, at a discount and then you have to buy it back at a higher price. Isn't that the truth? Don't we then buy it after they refine it over there? Well, eventually we will um, restock the petroleum reserve, and it probably will be a higher price. Um, The the important point here, Judge, is that uh, President Trump, at very low prices, um, restocked the petroleum reserve. This was just good business, Um, and this administration is at a point where its business practices are are less than um, desirable. Well, and it's also frightening because it, it, he is blaming all of these price increases on Putin. And, uh, you know, I'm not just talking about, um, you know, inflation uh, and the economy. I'm talking about gas. And yet uh, they have the it, – it doesn't seem they have any plan at all, uh, except Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre said – uh, yesterday, I think it was, she said, uh, well, the Republicans don't have a plan. And when Peter Ducey from Fox said, well, what is your plan? Her answer was the Republicans don't have a plan. I don't think they even know what their plan is at this point. But at, at the, 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 the let's talk about Hunter Biden for a second. If Hunter Biden is in a situation where, you know, he is beholding to the Chinese because they gave him billions of dollars when his father was vice president for his, you know, uh, um, was it a hedge fund or whatever, you know, business uh, he had. You know, people have to wonder that whether or not Hunter Biden's business interests are in any way directing his father's business decisions as it relates to policy in this country. We have to be concerned about two aspects of that, Judge. One of them is, um, as you point out, um, Hunter Biden received an interest in Bohai Partners, an investment fund, in conditions which suggest corruption. Um, Yes, China does um, entrust money to foreigners to invest, but they entrust people who have long track records of success. And Hunter Biden uh, didn't have a track record and certainly not one of success. So um, that does make the Biden family beholden to Beijing. But the second thing is even more concerning, and that is we know by um, Hunter Biden's own admissions that he is a troubled individual. He's been on Chinese soil. If he did anything compromising there, then China's Ministry of State Security will have evidence, audio and video recordings, and those could be used for blackmail of the father. 
Remember, all fathers try to protect their sons. Mm-hmm. That's just a natural instinct. This one, though, would have severe uh, and critical national security implications for the United States. Well, one of the one of the issues, though, is let's let's assume that China, given the fact that they want to be, you know, the lead of this world order that Joe Biden now refers to as a liberal world order um, and China wants to be in charge of, you know, extraterrestrial uh, world order international. Well, I don't know how you would refer to it, but Mars and the moon. Um, is there really that much that they can blackmail Hunter with, given the fact that we've got the laptop and we've got all of this other sexual uh, lunacy uh, and crack cocaine and all this other stuff? I wonder how much they could blackmail Hunter. And I, it's it's not that I'm taking his side. Uh, it's like, how much worse can it be with Hunter Biden? I mean, how could Joe you know, uh, export all these millions of oil barrels, know that uh, China is going to have access to that oil at a reduced price uh, and maybe be beholden to China because of his son. When What else can possibly come out against his son? The Justice Department won't even prosecute him. He's under investigation. How long? For, for a long time, apparently. We haven't seen anything happen. Yeah, the laptop may not be the entire universe of what we need to know about Hunter Biden. Um, But we do know one thing, Judge, and that is that the president of the United States, when he was running um, for office, actually said um, he had never discussed Hunter Biden's business dealings uh, outside the U.S., uh, foreign business dealings. Right. Well, we know from um, the laptop, the voicemail that has now been reported by The New York Post, that uh, the father, Joe Biden, did in fact discuss this with his son, uh, his foreign business dealings. So that was an untruth. And so the question is, uh, obviously, they're trying to cover something up. You don't know the full extent of it, as you point out. But we need to be concerned because the father has now been caught in a lie. You know, Gordon Chang, the interesting thing is that Joe Biden lied. Uh, saying he'd never discussed his uh, his son's business uh, outside of the United States. Uh, we have uh, Tony Bobulinski, uh, one of the business partners, uh, directly uh, uh, conflicting and saying, you know, he met with some of the partners from other countries. We have the voicemail that you refer to. Uh, we have pictures of Joe Biden with business partners uh, from China and from other countries as well. Uh, But the question is this. Joe Biden lied. He was caught in a lie. And yet he doesn't feel any responsibility to explain the lie. He just goes on and he seems to get away with it with an economy that's in the tank uh, and, you know, with an attorney general who doesn't ask for a special prosecutor for the investigation of Hunter. Uh, it's almost as though we're in the twilight zone here where nothing really matters. It's just they go on and on, and the economy gets worse. And, you know, if it is worse with Hunter Biden, Gordon Chang, as you allege, um, we'll never find out. I, I really don't believe that even if we did find out that it's going to matter. There's no one to prosecute this guy. Well, there are a couple things going on here. One of them is that if um, Joe Biden was a successful president, this might be a story because it would be uh, sort of uh, something that would people could grasp onto. But 
unfortunately, there's been one disaster after another. I mean, in the foreign area, there's been Afghanistan and Ukraine. Domestically, mm-hmm. there's been inflation. Um, we now have had a poor COVID response. There's so many disasters that, of course, the laptop gets um, buried in the drumbeat of bad yeah. to worse news. Yeah. The other thing, though, Judge, and this is just apart from from Joe Biden or anybody else, you know, presidents are able to avoid a lot of the consequences for a lot of bad news. But then there's a tipping point. There's a tipping point where the American public says, we've had enough. And this has happened, for instance, I can remember this with George W. Bush and Katrina. Um, Interesting, yes. Just a few comments which, you know, in any other time would not have been consequential, actually changed and crystallized American public opinion about uh, George W. Bush. I think the same thing is eventually going to happen to Joe Biden. Uh, Eventually, people will change their mind. We'll definitely know that in November. Gordon Chang, thank you so much for joining us on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Tower show. Gordon Chang, uh, we always appreciate your input. And and to me, I must tell you, Gordon, I've known you many years. Uh, You were the final word on this stuff. And we thank you for joining us. Have a great day, Gordon. Thank you so much. And thank you, Judge Janine. I really appreciate it. Okay. And born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been honoring America's heroes ever since. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. On 9-11, we vowed to never forget. Help America keep that promise. Donate $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Okay, now it's time for me to gavel out my closing argument. After the horrible shooting in Highland Park, Kamala Harris, the top contender to run for the position of the leader of the free world, had this poignant, impactful, and powerful, thought-provoking response. Take a listen. I'm so sorry for what y'all have experienced and the pain, the suffering. Um, This should never have happened. We talk about it being senseless. It is senseless. It is absolutely senseless. We've got to be smarter as a country in terms of who has access to what, and in particular assault weapons. And um, we've got to take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. We have to take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to take this seriously. All right. All of us were traumatized when we saw what happened at that 4th of July parade in Highland Park. You know, mass shooters in the United States are a threat to every human being. We've seen too many of them, whether it's the Pulse nightclub or Columbine or Uvalde or uh, Sandy Hook, Aurora. And we hear about all these young males. The truth is that characteristics of these young males, 98% of the mass shooters in the United States are male. Uh, And the question, and we were lucky to have a great witness here, the question is why do they do it? Some of them experience difficulties with their identity and uh, insecure masculinity, Uh, or, you know, they feel intimidated and they want to assert themselves. Uh, You know, I don't know what the reason is, 
But I think one of the things that we can do is we can make sure that when they do this, that their names and their faces are not out there in the media unless we need to identify them and find them unless they're wanted. You know, they use these firearms, a lot of them. Some of them use vehicles. Some of them, you know, will use knives to enhance their sense of masculinity. I'm a lay person. I don't know about this, but what I do know is that there are times when we can catch these people. There are red flag laws, and every one of us has an obligation to make a phone call. And even if the phone call doesn't make a difference, at least there's a record of it. And, you know, I believe that there are good people in law enforcement who take their job seriously. And I believe that in many cases, we they have thwarted these attacks, and we don't even know about it because they've done their job. So we can't criticize law enforcement all the time, but what we can do is we can keep our eyes and our ears open to make sure that we are at least listening and looking for that person who is on the edge, who's on the verge. We've seen the commonality. It's usually a loner. Usually, in this case, it was someone who had tried to commit suicide, someone from a dysfunctional family, you know, someone who didn't have a lot of friends, maybe someone who was bullied. Uh, But they're not mentally ill, folks. Understand that. They're not mentally ill. Uh, These are people who either want some kind of... uh, you know, they they want some kind of celebrity because to them that's that will give them the identity that they don't feel that they have. But what we've got to do is we've got to join together to make sure that we can help. And I can't help but think of that little boy, last name is McCarthy, the two-year-old whose mother and father were shot at the parade. And there's a GoFundMe for that little boy. I think it's well over $2 million now. Both parents shot because a little dirtbag decided that he wanted to be, you know, a shooter or a celebrity or whatever. Sometimes I even think that the death penalty should be brought back for cases like this. On a gut level, this is the most painful thing we can experience. So that's it for us on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers show. Uh, I hope that next week we can have a better show, a more uplifting show. But the reality is that we live in a world where we've got to keep our eyes and ears open and we've got to make sure that we've got people who protect us and thank law enforcement every day for everything that they do. These cops put their lives on the line. And you saw it. You saw it at every press conference. You knew those cops hadn't slept the night before. You knew they did their best to make sure that there was justice for the victims in that horrible case in Highland Park. Have a great day, and make sure you join us right back here next week, same time, same place, for the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show.